Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Take action. Don't underwrite a thousand deals and keep looking at a million properties. Narrow your focus into what excites you. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Leslie Ann Morris. Leslie is joining us from the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. She is both an investor and a property manager in the Smoky Mountains, focused on creating passive income sources for out-of-state investors who want to build a life apart from trading their time for money. Her current portfolio consists of 11 short-term rentals in the Smokies, one new construction house, 100% owned presently by her. She also does some passive investing in women's multifamily syndications. Leslie, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure. I have about a 25-year career in commercial banking and climbing the corporate ladder is an admirable thing to do with your time. And I kind of just got to a point where I just wanted to work for myself and I didn't really know what that looked like. And in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to invest in real estate. Just being in commercial real estate is a big portion of what my career was. 
And I had a lot of clients that would mentor and coach me. So I finally got to a point when I was living and working in Los Angeles where I started to do just that. And I looked at a lot of different avenues and picked the best one for me. And it was a long-term rental and the whole deal just fell apart overnight. So lo and behold, I ended up investing in short-term rentals and I ended up investing in Smoky Mountains. It's kind of a beautiful story of not being able to afford anything in LA. (laughs) I looked at Palm Springs and those markets and I was just priced out of that. So I just kind of did some research and came upon the Smoky Mountains all by myself and just self-educated and relocated to Tennessee in 2020. And then just recently left my job in banking just this year in September of 22. And now I'm a full-time investor, agent, property manager, and just trying to become an industry leader in the field. That's kind of where I'm at. Are you exclusively focused on short-term rental management? Yes. I'm the owner and founder of Josh's Cabins. Josh is one of my business partners, and that is focused solely on cabins. We cover Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, and Townsend, all in the Smoky Mountains. For those of our listeners who are likely not familiar, can you explain where the short-term rental demand comes from in the Smokies? Sure. It's phenomenal demand. It's one of the most heavily touristed areas in the United States simply because we have the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It is the largest, and I don't know if it's the only free park, but it will be free until the end of time. That's just the way it's grandfathered in. So because of those reasons, because of the park and it's free, we had 14 million visitors last year. Of course, that was a COVID year this year, on track for about 13 million. And those visitors are all coming, mostly driving in. And the statistic is that about 60% of the United States population is within an eight-hour drive or less. So that's where the demand's coming from. And The Smoky Mountains is primarily a tourism market. So I think entrepreneurs like me saw opportunities because of the high visitation. A lot of tourism things are opening. So we're having a groundbreaking on a Jack Daniels distillery there in the market. And then we also had Guy Fieri open a 43,000 square foot gaming and food facility. So just a lot of really good reasons, really compelling reasons for folks to travel there. And also just the mountains are beautiful, which is why I ended up moving to Tennessee just to be closer to that. Leslie, you know better than I do, but I am somewhat familiar with the area. There's more to it than just the national park though, right? The first thing that comes to mind for me is Dollywood. Yes. Dolly Parton's amazing what she just hit. Most influential women's list. I thought she should have been number one. I think she was number 97. But yeah, she does have Dollywood there. Dollywood's huge. There's some other amusement parks there. And there's actually a new one that a French company is getting ready to break ground on. I think they're still in the planning stage for that. Yeah, there's tons of reasons. I think there are families that come there primarily for something like Dollywood, but I think originally at the beginning of time was the park. (laughs) So that's like in my mind what I think of, but that gives ample opportunities to see wildlife. A lot of people are driving from cities and also hiking. There's waterfalls. It's just a beautiful place to spend time with your loved ones. On this subject, I am an apartment owner operator based in Cincinnati, Ohio. My wife is from Knoxville, so she loves the Smokies. We have enjoyed vacationing there a couple of times. But last question on this, do you consider Norris Lake to be part of the Smokies? No, that's a little too far north. I do own a cabin on Douglas Lake. That's a little closer. 
parts of Douglas Lake are in Sevier County. So if you were looking at purchasing property there, I'd look on that side. And I think that cabin's about 25 minutes drive to Dollywood. So it's a little bit further out than you would want to target. What I recommend to my clients, what they buy, I wouldn't recommend buying that, but it is a beautiful cabin with lake views. So painting the picture here for you, before we transition the conversation, 60% of the U.S. population living within eight hours. And in your region, you have wildlife vacationing, wildlife recreation, the lake, the national park. You also have amusement recreation. You have a lot of family-friendly type stuff. And you have two-hour slowdowns on the highway when someone stops a bear. Everyone gets out of their cars to look at bears. That's a true story that happened to me passing through the Smokies one time. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of questions here from your background, actually, and your investing activity that I'm really interested in asking you, Leslie. I do want to start here. The majority of our listeners are engaged in apartment investing, long-term rentals. And I spend a lot of time talking about the difference between short-term and long-term rentals with the investors here in my sphere. I was a super host, 200 something five-star reviews on Airbnb. And I left short-term rentals, even though I had prime locations for it because the business model was so different from my focus, which was long-term. I'd like to set you up to talk about that and talk about how your management operates by saying that short-term rentals are not landlording, they are hospitality. The people who are staying in your places are guests, not tenants. They have a very different level of expectation and you have to interface them in a very different way. For those of you listening and not watching on YouTube, Leslie is nodding her head a lot while I'm saying this. I, <laughs> I want to set you up to tell me why you're nodding. Leslie, how has your experience gone with that? No, that's huge for me right now. And I'll tell you, I am actually writing a book. If you're an, either a newbie investor or you're like you, you're in apartments, you're in long-term rentals, your mindset's completely different. Your strategy is completely different. The deals you're looking to take down are just completely different. When you think about partners, that's completely different. So yeah, I'm writing like a strategy playbook on how to do it to scale. Because a lot of people think they're going to buy one of these things and be like, oh, I own an Airbnb and put it on Airbnb and self-manage it. And it's just going to make a killing, which can that happen? Yes. Does it happen with most people? No, it's a lot of work. I think the biggest difference for me going into this is the fact that you've got, like to your point, guests, you can't just ignore them if something's going wrong. Like with, you had a long-term tenant and maybe something leaking, you can tell them to shut the water off. Somebody will be there tomorrow, but that just doesn't work when a guest is spending thousands of dollars to make memories in your beautiful vacation home. We get anywhere from seven to eight turns per month. So seven to eight different guests per property per month. That's a huge volume. And when I think about the definition of long-term versus short-term, we don't rent anything over 14 nights. We don't want to get into your landlord tenant laws. We have a completely different strategy. If something goes awry, the sheriff can pull these people out of these homes. It's very, very different. So it is a different mindset. And when you made the comment about that wasn't your strategy, so you moved away from it to focus on what your niche is. And that's what I recently decided because I did have some long-term rentals and 1031 out of those into more cabins. That was one of my scale strategies for 2022, and it worked beautifully, but it is not for everybody, but it does have better margins. Cash on cash for me 
is a minimum of 20% on all of my deals. So different strategy for different people, but can you do it? Can you do it successful passively? Yes. Answer is definitely yes on that. Leslie, when we started the interview, you were talking about your corporate career pre-real estate, 25 years in commercial banking. Now that you're focused on short-term rentals, your experience with commercial banking, is it influencing or directing the way that you structure the debt for your properties currently or the way you plan to structure debt for your deals in the future? As it sounds, you'll be raising capital to buy more properties. Yes. Short answer, yes. Right before I started investing in real estate, I actually also started a master's degree at the University of Southern California. So I would say not just my long banking career, but also that master's degree, everything just funneled beautifully into what I was doing. So I'm not just a passive investor. I do own the property management company that manages my rentals, but I got to a point where I was forced to create that company out of a need for a quality of life. Hence why I'm focused on creating a strategy for investors that want to be passive in this game. But yeah, definitely. I would say really early on in the real estate investing, I wasn't doing the type of credit underwriting that I'm doing today. I honestly thought this would be a basic hobby for me and I would buy a cabin and I could go vacation there myself. My friends and family could come with me or whatever. So I just, in my mind, when I started doing that was I have the money, I can afford the debt service on it, even if it doesn't make a dime. I had a very high paying job. So that was my peace of mind going into the first couple of deals. But then I quickly realized, whoa, this is a business. And it just completely shifted my mindset with just within just the first few months. So now I'm not calculating any kind of cap rate because it's single family like I would with my other bigger deals. But on these deals specifically, I'm looking at NOI and I'm looking at cash on cash and I'm making sure that I'm hitting 20%. But my early deals, if I went back and underwrote them the way that I'm doing deals 11 and 12 today, those were at like 60% cash on cash. So if, if a savvy investor like yourself would have saw what I was getting into, you would have been like, was this just dumb luck? It's like, no, I was always meant to do this. And I had that credit underwriting background. And I guess the will to succeed, but that kind of all plays a part of who I am as a person. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. A couple of follow-up questions here, Leslie, I want to ask you about the way you're structuring your equity partnership with the investors that you're bringing on. Before we get to that, though, 
Now that, well, you're beyond 10, I know that your first 10 deals, speaking very broadly, would have qualified for residential 30-year fixed conventional financing. Moving forward, or possibly currently, how are you structuring the financing for these properties now? Yeah, I hit a cap on your 30-year awesome mortgages (laughs) pretty quickly. So what I started looking at doing was your DSCR, debt service coverage ratio loans, your basic asset-based lending. So that's a lot of what I do today. A lot has shifted in just the last few months. So terms, rates, structures are not as favorable. So when I hit that point of realization on that, that this is cutting into my margins, I started looking at local community banks that had similar loans to the type of loans that I was doing $50 million deals. I wasn't financing cabins, but I found a banker that was similar to myself at a commercial bank local in the Smokies and started doing some commercial financing there. There's a drawback to that because they still are going to heavily scrutinize your global cash flow. So they're looking at every single thing you have your hands in. And then they're primarily looking at a five-year fixed rate amortized over maybe 20 or 25 years. Whereas these debt service coverage ratio lenders allowed me to put in 15% cash and was still a 30-year fixed. And they even offered 40-year fixed and they could go interest only. I mean, there was a lot of savvy different structures that they offered. So there's lots of different things I'm looking at. I'm even looking at to get away from some of this more expensive lending. I'm restructuring things, moving things into LLCs when it makes sense and freeing up some more conventional slots. So I'm hoping to look at that possibly next year. Gotcha. Now back to the equity question, how are you looking to structure your partnership with investors? Yeah, so I'm not doing that today. What I'm offering today through the two companies that I own is a strategy where somebody in another state far, far away from Tennessee, I have clients in middle Tennessee actually, that want to own a short-term rental, but don't want the headache of management and want someone who knows every part of the deal. That's what I'm offering today. So you're going to have your name on the deed and you're going to be the owner. And I will coach and mentor as a part of that. Like for instance, I have a client in middle Tennessee who has a cabin under contract. So I mentored and coached her on what she should buy. I don't sell clients or recommend to clients properties I wouldn't buy for myself. So we have pretty strict criteria, and then I coach and mentor them on how to underwrite the deal. And then if they want to self-manage the deal, that's possible. They can do it on the back end, like taking the Airbnb bookings and creating their own direct booking page. I don't recommend that because if you want to scale it, like I said, it's a full-time job. So then if they want to look at the property management company I own and become part of that family with their property, that's possible as well. And now we're starting to do listings too. So then I guess in theory, if a client decides they want to have seven-year exit strategy or whatever, when it starts to get to obsolescence and you're needing to put a lot of maintenance capex into these properties, then their exit strategy so I can help them sell it as well. So that's what I'm doing today. I do get approached quite a bit about taking in partners. I'm exploring some different options for 23 and 24 that would be more like possibly a fund or some sort of partnership with folks. But at this point, I haven't had to do that. I've just used all my own money just for my own deals. For your own deals, you're using your own capital. And then what you are 
offering to those non-local investors is the opportunity to work with you to identify opportunities, acquire them themselves, and then either self-manage or hire you for management? Yep, that's it in a nutshell. So I'm basically acting as an agent. I think what makes me different from most of the other agents in the Smoky Mountains is I have a pretty sizable portfolio. I'm doing it very successfully to scale. And then I was running into a problem too, where I had clients that wanted to buy a property, but then they're, who do you recommend for management? And I just couldn't, I already had this management company, but I wasn't really taking on other units. It was just my own units. So then I opened that up. We got fully licensed and insured to open that up at the beginning of 22. So now we are able to offer that. And I just kind of looked at what were the weaknesses from other companies and how could we mitigate and address those weaknesses? So that's kind of the playbook that we have there. I did something very similar in Cincinnati, Leslie. I'm focused on long-term rentals, as you know. And as my portfolio grew, I needed to start my own management company for my own portfolio of mine and the stuff I'm with partners. I, quote unquote, came up in real estate as a house hacker and a residential agent helping people buy their three families, their four families, sell their flips, things like that. And out of not having management companies that I could recommend, I've ended up taking on some third-party clients here in Cincinnati as well for long-term rentals specifically. Great. Well, Leslie, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. Awesome. Let's do it. What is the <laughs> best ever book you recently read? Well, I always want to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I know everyone's read that. And if you haven't, read it. I am currently reading The One Thing by Gary Keller of Keller Williams. It's pretty awesome. It's like, what's that one thing that you could do that could make everything else easier, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> so I haven't finished it yet, but it really just cuts to the chase, which is kind of like how I operate. I make a strategy and a plan, and then I just execute quickly and I get to that end goal. So that book is really resonating with me. Nice. What is your best ever way to give back? Yeah, I have some exciting stuff coming next year. But my why of why I'm doing all this is I want to be the one to attribute the creation of 1,000 women millionaires through real estate. So I want to empower and coach women to not take over the world, but take over their lives, take over their financial freedom. I heard a statistic that only 31% of investors are women. So I'm looking to change that because I think it was Andrew Carnegie that said 90% of all wealth is created through real estate. So we have a little bit of disparity there and I'm looking to shorten the gap. Leslie, you made mention of a mistake early on in this conversation. Thus far though, in your real estate investing career, what is the biggest mistake you've made and what is the best ever lesson that resulted from it? Yeah, I think in life, mistakes are always just opportunities to learn. I would say that I never, I haven't had a deal that's lost money per se, knock on wood. But I did have, during the heyday, the pandemic heyday, where everybody was buying everything and going crazy, I did pivot into a couple other markets. And for a while, I had Airbnbs in three states, and now I don't. I'm only in the Smoky Mountains. They made money. That was fine. That wasn't the issue. It just spread my team thin. And it made us have different strategies in different markets where we only had one unit in Florida, one unit in Alabama. It just didn't make much sense to do that. So... My pivot was less than a year later, I 1031 out of the Florida property, acquired a cabin, and then I have a long-term tenant in Alabama. 
And I think the lesson there for me in particular was when you have something that's going successfully, you should go super hard in your niche. And that's just a part of the book that I'm working on, which is how to do this to scale. So why not? If you've got the team built out, you've got the strategy built out, you know, all the metrics because you've already done it multiple times successfully. Why wouldn't you continue to keep going hard in your niche? Absolutely. On that note, what is your best ever advice? Take action. Don't underwrite a thousand deals and keep looking at a million properties. Narrow your focus into what excites you. Really go for what excites you and then stick to your criteria and get that thing under contract. Get a good team and take action. Where can people get in touch with you? Instagram is the biggest one. And my handle is at Leslie.Anne with an E dot Morris. And on there, I have a link. You can get to my portfolio. You can see articles I'm writing on a blog I have with Bigger Pockets. And also my company's websites are on there as well. Great. And those links are in the show notes. Leslie, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who you know we can add value to through this conversation. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thank you. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.